0: Today, I will do what others won't. So tomorrow, I can have what others can't. Noah Rubin, circa August 25th, 2017.
1: Welcome to. Hey, great shot! My name's Alex Gruskin. We're so happy to be back with you. Uh, Joining me on this podcast, as always, my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who is just impossible to get
0: across the room from you, Max Rothman. Hey, great shot. Hey Alex, you know it's good to be back I've yeah. been gone for some time, gambling some money <laughs> Losing a little bit, winning a little bit You know how it is no, But uh, you, definitely glad to be back you here You
1: definitely took a nice little two week sabbatical I mean, that first podcast was pretty thrilling I guess the uh, the nerves were going a little bit And you just needed time off already
0: I also need some time to, to grow out the facial hair It's, it's looking pretty nice right now <laughs> If I do look, say so myself
1: You viewers or listeners may not be able to see this But uh, you should know he is rocking a beautiful beard right now um, I think we're ready to impart some wisdom though on these young players and so are you ready to start our new series
0: yeah let's talk about these youngins
1: yeah and so this is going to be our first episode of a series we're calling the next gen american series um the objective of this series will be to detail scout and debate the 11 american prospects we think have the best chance of ending our country's slamless streak on the men's side um Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of this stat, but um, an American male has not won a singles Grand Slam title since the 2003 U.S. Open. Uh, of course, that was Andy Roddick. Um, some things you might not know, though, is in terms of winning an ATP World Tour Finals, it's been since 1999. Um, not since the days of Pete Sampras have we won a World Tour Final. And um, even on a you know, lower level than that, at the Masters events, um, it's been since 2010 since Roddick brought home... A Miami Masters Series title, so the drought has really um, lasted. It's not as though we're not proud of players like John Isner, Sam Query. um, You know, there are a few others, of course, um, but they haven't really achieved the best results you know they've been overshadowed by these big four who as great as they are um we've seen american players of that caliber we've had a sampras we've had an agassi and so uh, this series will be our attempt at previewing some of the younger players that we really think have a chance to be in that caliber have a chance to be hall of fame players and so max i know you know a lot of these players as well you want to introduce the fans to the players we'll be talking about
0: yeah, absolutely. And and now as Alex said, uh this series really is gonna be kind of a combination of these scouting reports, uh, some crack rackets debates, <laughs> uh mini podcasts providing, you know, kind of our opinions, some hot takes, some uh some personal insight onto what we think about these Young guys, so uh, get ready for an interesting series. Uh, all on the the next gen players that we that we are uh, watching.
1: A lot of a little spice as well, right? That was the term oh, yeah. you used earlier. Uh, yeah, it, spice. It'll I like get spicy <laughs> up in here. Don't you worry about that.
0: Definitely. Uh, so uh, as far as the the group that we'll be talking about, I'm, I'm going to list them off for you, starting with the oldest of the group, Noah Rubin, and working our way down to the youngest, uh, Kozlov. So the order of the players we're looking at: Noah Rubin, Ernesto Escobedo jared donaldson chris eubanks tommy paul riley opelka taylor fritz my favorite michael mo <laughs> francis Tiafo, will blumberg and alex's favorite stefan cosmo <laughs> well you know those are his words not mine i think it's a little too
1: early to be playing favorites um
0: it is his favorite he compares <laughs> to manny murray his other favorite which is just ridiculous <laughs> <All> Right?
1: <but. laughs> that may be true um but again, I don't know if you guys, hopefully you have checked out Cracked Rackets, the website. Um, we've been running a series of articles. We've actually already run the Noah Rubin as well as the Ernesto Escobedo Um previews we've you know answered 10 questions about their games and that home that hasn't only been me that's been other cracked rackets contributors such as dalton theneman such as parker theneman daniel westoff and of course alex leopold and so we really would love it if you guys could go check those out on the website as well um, again that's cracked uh, a lot of great content up there um, so please go check that out but I'm ready to get started. You ready to do our first one?
0: Yeah, let's talk about our boy Noah Rubin.
1: So, like Max said, we're going to start with the oldest player, that is Noah Rubin. Um, we're going to start with a little biography about him. So, Noah Rubin was born February 21st, 1996. Um, he was born in Long Island, New York, and actually spent his junior career training at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. According to the ATP website, he's nicknamed Noah's Ark. You know, his name's Shout Noah. To the tribe. Yeah, look, as a fellow Jew, we'll leave the race connotations behind that nickname aside and we'll just move on <laughs> um but you know again he's 21 years old he's listed at 5 9 150 pounds that is very suspect that's uh, my
0: warm-up bench press <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly um he attended wake forest for a year and has a live ranking of 215
0: so yeah it's so a little bit about his game style he has a crazy western forehand grip um, oddly, you know, flat backhand. And, uh, as we all know, if you've seen him play, he's, he's quick as hell out there. So, uh, you know, you see him play somewhat more of a defensive game, um, probably a little bit more of a testament to his size and, uh, the style that he plays, but, um, you know, that's, that's how he is out there you know, gotta be fast, gotta play defensive and, uh, he got, he has to play to the abilities that he's got.
1: Well, I think we'll get more into the specifics of his game as we go on, of course, but, you know, for now... That was, I think, that was a really well done brief outline of his game. Um, I do, before we get into the nitty gritty of his tennis, want to talk a bit about his social media presence. Um, We were going back and forth about this at the beginning, so I'll start with an easy question. If Voss offered you a sponsorship, Max Rothman, do you take it? Yeah, of course. I mean,
0: (laughs) Voss is arguably the best water out there. Oh, my God. I wouldn't be. Michigan tap water is
1: number one in the country. You are at the University of Michigan. You should enjoy the tap water. I do enjoy the tap water. I'm just saying. If if they gave me free Voss,
0: I'm not turning down free Voss. But I also never pay for Voss water. It's ridiculous. (laughs) He also looks. Absolutely absurd in these Instagram photos. If you guys haven't seen it, you should go check out his Instagram. He's posing shirtless with a Voss water on a track. <laughs> it is absurd. I'm sorry. It's the fuel of champions. No, it's not. <laughs> is he a champion?
1: Uh, oh, well, Debatably. We'll into that? Yeah. We? He,
0: he's had some success. So may, hey, maybe the Voss is what's doing it.
1: I mean, it's whether it's the Voss water, the Simply Gum. um By the way, have you ever heard of Simply Gum? No. I don't
0: know what that is. Yeah, I like Orbit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Five Gum guy. Like if
1: Orbit wants to offer us a sponsorship, I will go shirtless on a track right now and chew some Orbit gum.
0: Orbit hit us up. <laughs>
1: exactly. We'll save them for the fake ads. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it's an interesting social media presence. I say you have to be top 100 to go shirtless, but what do I know? Someone's going to scroll through our Facebooks and look for a shirtless photo. You're just in There's, Vegas. I ha-
0: I definitely have one <laughs> in there from from Mud Bowl last year. Yeah, yeah dude, you I'm made like torn up. <laughs>
1: That's funny. But okay, let's get to question number two then. Um, The moment you became aware of this player, and I'm actually going to start this one because you know I consider myself the Cracked Rackets tennis historian. Um, Of course you do. And when I was younger, yeah, I was a tennis nerd. And one of the things I did as a tennis nerd was go on YouTube and look up clips of players my age who are having a lot of success. Um, one of those players for sure was Noah Rubin, and uh, the YouTube channel I used was Colette Lewis's Zoo Tennis. Um, if you've gone to tennisrecruiting.com, you have to have seen the Zoo Tennis tab. And from the get-go, uh, I saw Noah Rubin there, and the first one was actually in 2011, so that puts me at 16 years old. I don't know if it's creepy if I'm watching tennis videos at 16, but we'll let that slide. Um, And it was actually his final match against a much older Mitchell Kruger. I think it's two years. Um, When you're 16 and 18, that's a significant gap in terms of physical maturity. And it was a match Kruger won, but I remember seeing this short maybe 5'4 kid who could just hustle to all of these balls who was clearly um able to take the ball early and generate enough power to hang with these mature players and i just remember being incredibly impressed what about you when did you first hear of him
0: yeah so it's funny i the first time i actually saw him play was also um with those youtube videos yeah colette lewis shout out to
1: her she is a gift yeah to the tennis community absolutely
0: thank god we had those videos absolutely um, yeah please go on sorry but yeah so <laughs> Actually, one of my buddies that I that I grew up playing with, uh, Cristobal Rivera, who actually uh, just graduated LMU and was a was a four year starter there. He actually had a an early win against <laughs> uh, Reuben. I think it might have been at hard courts, um, you know, way back when. And, so when I heard that and looked him up, and I was like, oh my god, he just beat a blue chip, and yeah. uh, it was a big deal back in the day, so uh, of course, you know, once once one of your buddies beats someone like that, you gotta go check him out.
1: Yeah, I think the moment, as you know, we may have heard of him just because, again, we were into the tennis uh, community, but the one moment, uh, you know, when you couldn't deny anymore that Noah Rubin was a star on the rise, had to be his 2014 summer. I mean, yeah. he started Super off impressive. as a wild card entry, or maybe gets into qualifying as a card card um qualifies for the junior wimbledon and ends up winning it in that tournament he beats Tiafo in three sets fritz and straights and then i think a 15 or 16 year old stefan kozlov in a three set final um you know and then he follows that up with a title at kalamazoo not only winning the boys 18 singles and, but uh, boys 18 doubles as well crazy actually i want to ask you so in the perfect world, you can't win both of those titles. Credit to Noah Rubin for having such an incredible summer. But if the option was presented to you, become a junior Wimbledon champion or win Kalamazoo Boys 18s, you know, they do put your name on the wall. And of course, yeah, you're given... Wild card. You're, and he got two wild cards, one in the singles and doubles. So, which do you take?
0: <sighs> I know my answer. I'm curious what you'll say. You know, Wimbledon obviously has its history... The grass courts. Um, I mean, there's there's probably no experience like that, but to have a chance to get two wild cards into the U.S. one opportunity, I think you have to take that, especially as a doubles guy getting both of those. I mean, also look at who didn't he play Fed in that first round? Was that a first round? I think that was at this year's Australian Australian. Open. Yeah,
1: so he has played Fed, but that wasn't. I don't think that was that. He won
0: five sets though in that. Was mm. that a tiara? Well, yeah, so. that was versus Kiesner oh mixing but... up the <laughs> yeah, youngies. Not so wise. Yeah, exactly. Your beard is deceiving. It is, um,
1: but no, I mean, so which do you take? I think gotta go USO. Yeah, Open. I completely agree. It, it's just agree. too cool. Now, if it's only singles, if you only won Kalamazoo singles versus the Junior Wimbledon, which do you take? Probably Wimbledon. Right? I it's, think that. I think that changes the game. It's really close. I have to say. Yeah, I'm taking Kalamazoo. You just have to do it. To be the king of American tennis, you are the pristine junior. You're the one everyone's watching at the U.S. Open as yeah. the star on the rise. And this is why we know about him, because he did have such an amazing summer. And, to you know, shift the topic back on to Ruben. Um, he made the decision, despite those U.S. Open wildcards, to go to college after that. What do you think? Was that a good decision or a poor decision?
0: You know, I don't think it's the right decision for every player, but for someone like him, I actually do think it was a good decision. Um, I think there's a lot of benefits to training with other guys that are you know near your level and getting coaching like that, and um, the equipment and, and everything that you get from being on a you know high level varsity team. And um, I think it allowed him to develop a little more and play against different uh types of players and obviously you now you, you can get that on the tour but uh it's it's gonna be a little bit more inconsistent and you gotta, you know, pay for all the, the traveling and everything and so yeah, I think it was a good idea for him.
1: The financials is a great point. You're absolutely correct to go to Wake Forest when you're at that young age to know that your training's going to be paid for, to know that you'll have meals readily available and that you'll be able to go on some sort of you know, proper nutritious diet uh, is, is a beneficial aspect. I also think if you looked up the rankings, Ruben was right around 600 when he was making the decision to go to college. Had he experienced a success at the U.S. Open, maybe he does pocket that paycheck and enter the pro career. You know, maybe he'd be able to get into a few more challengers than he would have at the time. But I agree with you. Going to Wake Forest in particular, where you have a head coach like Tony Breski, who is the successful assistant at Virginia for so long, you know, coach players like Somdev DeVarman, who is a top 100 pro, coach players like Trey Huey, who's gone on to a top 100 doubles career. Um, He has the requisite experience. Wake Forest was also a good team at the time. They had players like Skander Mansouri, and, you know, he also playing one singles, he got to play the Ryan Shanes, the Jared Hiltzik, the Braden Schnurrs of the world. Um, great ACC tennis, great matches every week. You don't have to worry about losing and going home. You know, there's still going to be a match on Sunday. So, yeah, I agree. Ruben, he definitely made the right decision. I don't think he left any money on the table by going there. Uh,
0: so I would agree with you. So yeah, I I would you know like we said we both agree on the college thing, but uh, if let's you know imagine that he, he did go on tour, um, what player would you say is most similar to him? Who's your comparison to uh, Noah Rubin on the tour when he was eighteen or now? Oh. Because
1: it's different. I mean, It, it obviously is different. Let's,
0: let's say now it's a, it is a totally different player. We ought to talk
1: about him in a developed sense. So my comparison, and you know, again, I wrote about this in the Cracked Rackets article. I really think it's Donald Young. And before you cut me off because I see it on your face that you disagree, let me make my case. Both extremely successful junior careers. Donald Young, you know, a two-time Kalamazoo champ, a two-time Junior Slam champ, a former junior world number one. He had the pedigree. He had the match toughness. I imagine he had the sponsorships lined up to go on uh, on the tour right away. Um, of course, he experienced some bad losses. You know, he still hasn't reached... Uh, top 25 in the world. I think if you asked him, he'd be happy with his top 50 career. I think he makes enough money to live a comfortable lifestyle. I think that's the type of career, if you're Noah Rubin, you should you know aspire for, particularly because if you look at their physical profiles, both shorter players, but both extremely quick. Both, again, have the match toughness, the pedigree, the belief in themselves to know, I used to be at the top of this game. I think I can succeed no matter what the match, no matter who I'm playing. And then I think stroke-wise, they both have the skills. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of Ruben's forehand, and you know he's got a little choppy western grip. I don't know how exactly he kind of traps the ball with his wrist. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing, but I think he's really able, You know, whether it's the flat pass down the line, whether it's taking the ball early and trying to go flat inside-in, I think he has the type of diversity of shot selection that's similar to
0: Young that can keep opponents off-balanced. So look, I'll agree with you. He had, you know, a very successful junior career, just like Donald. And um, you know, he's got that sense of pride and, and confidence in his game. Um, but I think there is such a difference between them in that Donald actually does have more of a weapon in his strokes than Ruben does. What do you? Mean, what do you mean by weapon? It, he he'll attack the ball more. You think, I, so is it a pace thing? It, it is. Okay. It's it's but one better forehand. And two is just, just a, a power on the ball. I'm just worried that any
1: time someone hits heavy topspin to the Ruben serve or a heavy kick serve, how does he not get
0: trapped? How does he not get jammed? Because there's kind of, you know, a little hitch. Well, I mean, yeah, exa- that's kind of what I'm saying is that he can't really hit through the ball as, as well as a guy like Donald. And that's where, you know, I think that that's uh, just a big flaw for for Ruben is that, you know, he... Sure. He's got good ground strokes. He's got a good forehand, got a good backhand, moves well to the ball, serve, you know, could be stronger, but there's just really not a weapon in his game. And the, you know, it it is hard when you're, you know, 5'9", 150, as you said. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. And uh, I I think he's got to find a way to to add a little variety to his game that is lacking at the moment. And uh, so if I had to compare him, um, not necessarily – Someone I think that he has the exact same game, but someone he should aspire to be is Duty Sella, and <laughs> your point guard makes his return. <laughs> he does. He's my man. Um, you know, Duty has managed to, with a small frame, uh, be a big player. He he knows how to attack the ball. He you know is a little bit smarter on court. Keeps the variety up, and uh, I think that's someone that Noah could strive to be like, and would be successful if he were able to adopt a game like that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough for Ruben. Um, Duty sale is an interesting comparison. That's a guy who gets into the main draws of a lot of ATP World Tour events. Uh, I just think given Ruben's injury history, you know, he missed parts of the year earlier this year, and I think he also missed parts of last year as well, uh, trying to rehab from, I believe, those wrists and back injuries. Um, And it's just—it's tough because— duty sale is extremely durable and he's competing week in week out on tour and you know to be a journeyman type of player that's what you have to do in order to maintain your ranking and i think that's a tough comparison for him to make i just don't know if he will have that type of stamina on tour um we have already talked about some of our favorite parts of noah rubin's game but i want to take a quick advertising break do our first fake ad read of the podcast so we will be right back after this fake ad
0: And now, another fake advertisement from our new sponsor, Voss Water. Voss Water. The most expensive, stupid, and really same water as every other water bottle out there. Hey Max, do you like water? I love water, Alex. Do you like Propel? I do love Propel, especially that peach. (laughs) Do you like Aquafina? No, not so much. Alright,
1: well all of those are cheaper than Voss. That's true. (laughs) So buy Voss, because we like spending money on water. It's better than Fiji. Welcome back
0: to... Hey, Great shot!
1: <laughs> so let's carry on right where we left. <laughs> Sorry, that was... Wow, I've never heard it said like that. That was really yeah, good. I, don't know, I was feeling it. <laughs> okay, so that was probably my favorite of the Hey, Great Shot reads. <laughs> Similarly, what's your favorite part of Noah Rubin's game? Oh, God. That was horrible. Wild work
0: on it, I promise. That's all right. Um, <sighs> you know... I have to, I have to say his movement. If you watch highlights of Ruben, he's good on the run. He's got some great, you know, um, sliding shots. Some great, just reaches. Um, He's got fun points. Um, But like I said, I've got some issues with the fact that there's really nothing about his game that stands out more than his movement
1: well it's really tough when you say your movement is your favorite part of someone's game it means they're on the run a lot and and that's you know a credit to him i will say my favorite part of his game is his ability to get to the ball early and redirect it down the line Um, particularly on the backhand you know i watched him play a match earlier this year against um sam groth And, you know, Groth was really taking time away from him. But at the same time, when Ruben was able to redirect down the line to kind of Take Groth out of his comfort zone. Um, that's when he was having success. That's when he was able to hold serve. Similarly, I thought his ability to uh, pass down the line, whether it be the backhand down the line, sometimes he gets that forehand early and really snaps it down the line. Um, you're right; it's a testament to his movement, but he is excellent on the run. He does a great job of improvising.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And um, you know, something I was wa- I also watched that Sam Groth match, and I was watching uh some highlights of his from his match at the australian open with federer and um it was a close match i mean it it was straight sets but you know i think it was something like seven five six three six four you know it it was uh competitive and the way he was able to stay in that match was like you said taking those backhands early taking it down the line being more aggressive um the matches where i've seen him struggle is where you see his ground strokes landing short um you know, because he's the kind of player who relies on his movement and on uh, staying in the points long, he's got to make sure to hit deep. Otherwise, uh, he definitely will struggle, and so that's that's really what we've seen in his game.
1: No, I completely agree. I will say one point Alex Leopold actually made in the article. For a guy who is allegedly 5'9", uh, Really nice serve. I really like the way he uses all of his body, really jumps into the ball, really gets a, a great turn on the serve. And I think it's really impressive. You know, you'd think given his height, he would struggle on serve. As we mentioned, he beat Sam Groth 7 6 7 6. Sam Groth, who's been clocked at 150 on the serve. Um, obviously, crazy. Ruben was holding alongside with him. And that's something going on in his career. Uh, if he wants to have success, it's going to be really important. Um, I agree with you in terms of my least favorite part of the game. I mean, it has to be his size. And, like, that's, you know, it's nothing he can do about it. But just the pace of his ground stroke suffers. He needs other people to give him pace and, you know, that he can feed off of. And when he's unable to do that, he can struggle.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with that. I mean, if you have to actually look at the technical aspects of his game, uh i'd I'd probably have to say his volleys um Uh, that's a good point i've saw him come in a couple times in a few of these matches and um off the approach it's almost like he's not ready for the ball to come back (laughs) that's how it feels when i watch um so yeah i'd have to go with his volleys no i i would also say one other thing that might be my
1: least favorite part of his game his sponsorships i mean uomo (laughs) clothing do you know what uomo clothing is not until i saw him and like dude I get you like your Voss switch to Propel. Like, real champions, we drink athletic drinks. We drink Propel, not freaking Voss water. Peach
0: Propel? Peach Propel. That is my drink, (laughs) let me tell you. If
1: he was shirtless with Peach Propel, would you have hated the Instagram post?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I, I would have liked it, commented, shared it would have been great. I
1: mean, the ideal sponsorship is Nike Propel or Nike Gatorade. What am I saying? Yeah. Nike Gatorade. Yeah, that's probably what you want to do. Okay, so with that, let's get into the power rankings portion of the podcast. Um, there will be two power rankings portions in each Next Gen Player Mini podcast. First, we're going to rank them based on their current ability in comparison with their contemporaries. And then we're going to base them on their potential and where we think they'll end up um, so, I'll start with you, I guess. Where do you have him now, based on your top 11?
0: So, in the top 11, um, I've got him at number 9, uh, just ahead of Blumberg and Eubanks, um, and I definitely am being harsh on him, um, because of just the way that uh, I-, I like a player's game to be, and uh, I guess that's something you'll learn about me. I, I like big players and uh, <laughs> a big game, you know, that's that's me, so... <laughs> Um, I I do actually have him on the bottom of my list for uh, the future. I just really have a hard time seeing him be successful against these top guys. Um, Unless he really, in the next year or so, develops a weapon or changes it up a little bit, I really do see him struggling in the future.
1: So this really pains me to say, because we really should try not to do this, but I have him ranked in the exact same places. (laughs) (laughs) Of I I have Reuben ninth based on current ability and look he's been injured we're aware of that he wasn't able to play um well actually I'm sorry yeah no I have him ninth and tenth I forgot we actually recently added Chris Eubanks to the list given his decision to forego his senior season and turn pro at Georgia Tech um but yeah I agree it's just it's really tough. He's someone who whose play very much varies given his opponent. That's not something I like to see, particularly out of young players because you're mentally volatile. Uh, it's a lot high, harder for you to sustain that level of tennis. And, yeah, it's tough. As great as his movement is, do you see another place where he could really physically develop? I mean, he already moves incredibly well. Of course, he'll get stronger with age. He's only 21 years old. and But, I mean, best case, David Goffin.
0: Uh I get Kind of.
1: Cases? I mean, Goffin moves really well around the court. He's another player who counts on redirecting balls down the line to kind of take time away from his opponent. I yeah, think yeah, Goffin's right. a more skilled vollier.
0: Um, I mean, if you want to talk like super best case, I'm going to agree with Leopold in the article and say Ferrer. Like, oh that's, my like, that's like ideal fantasy But that's fantasy just like land. the
1: dream stereotype of uh, every short player. Uh, so, eh, well, so, like, okay, what so about that's... Michael Chang? Michael Chang was a <laughs> major and he was short. Like, let's yeah. go with that then. I mean, Ferrer's been close. <laughs> yeah, I did make a French open final. You're right. <laughs> um I don't know. It's just again, this is nothing against him because if you ask me long term, I do think Ruben can be a top one hundred player. Um oh, but I don't this know is more that.
0: <laughs> well, Yeah, it's to
1: Top 100, sure. Look, he won his first-round match at the Australian Open this yeah. year. He's won challenger titles before. Again, he had all of this junior success, so he's clearly matched tough. I think watching him, he understands he needs a disciplined shot selection and needs to execute his game plan. And so in terms of you know being consistent, that's not something you have to worry about from him. And I think the top 100 is something he could
0: achieve. Hey, look, I would love to see the kid prove us all wrong um, and see another member of the tribe make it to the top hundred, uh, but he he's really got to change some things up. And until that happens, I'm not you know totally convinced that he can really break through. Well,
1: it's not even change things up. It's just he really needs to maximize all of his skills.
0: And there it is. That's you said it perfectly
1: and so okay i guess uh we'll end things with Ruben there of course we're not going to leave you guys without a changeover chat we are going to leave you guys for one more quick fake ad so we will be right back after this commercial break and now a new ad from our desperate sponsor uomo clothing uomo clothing hey max was your prime in the juniors absolutely was Did you win a junior slam in kalamazoo but really haven't made it yet on tour
0: no, but it sounds just like Noah Rubin. <laughs> and he wears Uomo. Uomo, the weirdest clothing line that we all know, don't know about. <laughs> Uomo,
1: you don't know Uomo.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to. Hey, Great Shot. Oh, that was weak, Dude, man.
1: I stick with the standard. I'm on brand. You're I the one who something de-
0: spunky, like- you know? <laughs>
1: Spunk it. Um, that's, that's good. I think that's as good of a place as over to start everyone's favorite segment. It's time for cue the drum roll. The changeover chat.
0: The changeover chat.
1: So this week's changeover chat... Given that it's our first next-gen episode, we want to talk about an event that we think has not been covered properly. Um, of course, everyone knows about the WTA Tour Finals. Everyone knows about the ATP World Tour Finals. But did you know about the next-gen ATP Finals? Did you? I, signed-
0: mean, I did. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought that was more of a rhetorical question. Come on, you asking me that? Yeah. What do you know about it? Tell me some facts. All right. So here's, here's what I know about the format Conan. You have to be 21 and under. So I'm sorry, Alex, you couldn't play.
1: Uh, I am double deuce now.
0: I can, in fact, play. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend letting me you play. Are you going to be the one Italian wildcard? <laughs> My God. <laughs> Please, let me be the wildcard. I would get smoked, it would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, so you got to be 21 and under. Uh, so it sets up to four, and it's best out of five sets, no ad scoring. So, this is something that Alex and I are used to a little bit. We did this in our club tennis tryouts. Uh, it's best up to four, uh, no ad scoring. So, it makes it a, you know, a little bit more exciting, makes it a little more pressure intensive. Um, you know, those, those, uh, no ad scoring games are big games. You got to make sure you convert on those. I
1: will also say I like the fact that instead of two out of three, they're doing three out of five, so that you have to keep playing to twelve games. I think that's a really smart idea. And you know, you already said it. I'm a fan of no ad. I like it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and also, if you did two out of three sets up to four, it's it's a little on the shorter side. And these guys have played enough tennis; they yeah, deserve to go. The three point out of five. this
1: is to be a recreational event. It's to highlight the future talent. Um, actually, before we go any further on the rules, I want to introduce uh the rules of how you qualify for this event real quick so we did mention it was 21 and under um but it's not just arbitrarily selected uh they actually started at the beginning of the year uh, and they went by the total amount of points you accumulated um of course they were only keeping track of players 21 and under so you can imagine the Zverevs, the Hatchnovs, the rublevs of the world um all qualified for this event and you know it was something that was really pushing these players all year long if you listen to them on youtube look at their interviews this was something they had as their end of year goal to qualify for this event
0: yeah and you, you named a couple of the guys who have qualified already i guess i'll i'll finish off that list so we've got zverev we've got kachanov we've got rublev and then the other guys are born born Denis Shapovalov, jared donaldson and then there is an italian wild card and it's you know up to a couple players now. Unfortunately, Tiafo just was eliminated. Uh, but we've got the final spot coming down to Hyun Chung and Daniil Medvedev.
1: Interesting choices. So I I want to get into the field. Um, I think there's a chance, actually, that Zverev will pull out because he qualified for the ATP main, you know, the Tour World Tour oh, Finals. True. So if you're him, would you play this event? Do you really want, you know, you're the top dog. You'll have the target on your back. I'm old school, and you know, I don't actually have to play it, so I can sound tough now. I kind of want that target on my back. I'd go in there saying, Damn, straight on the top dog. There's a reason I'm top five in the world. I'm the future. Let me show you guys why.
0: Yeah, but to skip the actual ATP, well, I mean,
1: I don't know if they're
0: the same week.
1: I just don't know if you'd want to put that many. I don't think they are the same week, to be honest, but I just don't know. Do you put that many,
0: you know, miles on your body? He's young. It's the end of the year. He'll have time to take a break afterwards. Yeah, I think you play both. Also, not to mention prize money. Oh, yeah. That 1. is, 1.275 that million. That is a pretty check for someone That's 21 hefty. and under. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I'll take that. I can go to Vegas with you again for 1.275 <laughs> million. Drinks are on you for if you win that. For sure. I don't know. Um... Okay, so then staying in this question, you know, it's a next-gen podcast. Um, Jared Donaldson is the American representative of the American next-gen players. Would you prefer it's Tiafo? Prefer it's Fritz? Maybe yeah. Escobedo in there? Escobedo just beat Chap
0: of Olive last week. He did. It was a great match. Um, honestly, I want to see Donaldson in there. He deserves it. He does. He He has shown for the last year that he is the best next-gen player, and... That's a little, you know, inside into my list. I have him up there as the number one of the next gen guys right now. I think he's just shown the maturity. He plays smart points. He's um, really transitioned from his junior game, and I, I think he deserves to be there. I
1: think he's really maturing. You know, Fliegner and I kind of ribbed him last episode. We called him a skinny fat player. I do think when he's been lifting, he uh, hasn't cut out carbs, <laughs> just so he's got the belly instead he's, he's gotta of got to get the
0: Djokovic diet up in here. <laughs>
1: Gluten is out. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, but no, I think. I think that's, again, why I credit the ATP for going just based on points accumulated this year. Um, there's no doubt Donaldson earned it.
0: Yeah. And uh, just to, to talk a little bit more about one of the rules of this tournament. I know something, you love this. Oh, something that I saw, and I actually couldn't believe it when I read it, was that there are no line judges. Straight Hawkeye. That is absurd so, we're going back to the juniors we're going to be hooking each other <laughs> but so i'm unclear does that mean everything's an automatic
1: call and it's just going to be a beep or is it the players are calling and you have the right to challenge every
0: shot i think it's the players are calling and you have the right to chat i mean because i researched and i
1: really couldn't I, it was very unclear and if they're letting players make calls and then letting the other player that's challenge, pretty awesome I'm so in those that. matches
0: are going to get heated <laughs> It's going to get furious on Kachinov, court.
1: Khachnov, given how brutish he is, oh, it wouldn't gosh. shock me if you know he's injecting a little something-something in him. He's going to throw a punch.
0: I could see Shapovalov jumping hey. over the net <laughs> and, and pointing at spots. <laughs> Who
1: do you think's the worst of those seven? Uh, you know, we're, we won't include the Italian wild card. Or, sorry, of those eight, including Chung and
0: Medvedev, who's the biggest, most likely to hook. <laughs> I really... <laughs> I honestly think Zverev would hook. <laughs> I can see him getting nervous about his spot. I can also see him as a junior just being the biggest hook. Um, yeah, I, I can totally see him hooking and then being just furious when someone else hooks him. Too. Oh,
1: dude, Rublev. He's got an, Rublev he's too. got a temper on yeah. him. Yeah, and like. He's throwing a racket at the net. Oh, yeah.
0: He's tomahawking that shit across oh, the a court. Pavlov has thrown a racket or Dude, two. Oh, maybe we'll get I mean, Hey, these guys are under twenty one. I-, I would do it too. <laughs> I would throw
1: my racket. Hey,
0: please send those cracked rackets,
1: two cracked rackets. We'd love to see them. Hey, yeah, we'll
0: take them. If you guys don't want them, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just send make them sure you way. send a
1: gif our way or something. so yeah. you can post or it. Online. Sign them. I mean, can't hurt to do that, right? <laughs> For sure, but no, I'm really excited about this event. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be really a great way to showcase the young talent on tour, and if you listeners can't tell, the point of this podcast is to showcase young talent on tour, and the ATP has made an event perfect for us, and so the only thing missing is press passes. Get us those press passes, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're actually going to do one more thing before we go. It's a new segment we've been working on. Um, it's going to be our way of kind of replicating the type of talks, again, that we would have on the changeover. Um, it's, what we would usually do is you ask hypothetical questions. And so what we're calling this segment is tennis myths. And so we're going to start with some fun ones. And I just want just give me a rapid response, okay? What happens if
0: Federer never cuts his hair? I actually think he never breaks the top. (laughs) He needs that flow. All right, here, I'll I'll fire one at you. uh, For for his counterpart, what if Nadal never left the Capris? (laughs) Then he strokes out during one of his French Open titles. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine... If he Dude, was still thinking? in like, his capris. Okay, whoever
1: the designers were of the aughts, the 2000, decade, like, what were you doing? Like, long hair, sweatbands, baggy pants. Who thought capris were a thing? He went with
0: the no sleeves. <laughs> God, he. Had, I think he was more ripped back then. <laughs> Sorry, he was not more ripped back then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what happens if Ward our- <laughs> sorry this is I'm gonna need Flickner to quack this what happens if Juan Martin Del Potro doesn't <laughs> so much and his wrists stay healthy
0: <laughs> see he's just gotta switch hands <laughs> it's, it's simple as that <laughs> I think that's a pretty simple solution in my opinion I mean it's probably gonna feel better it's like a new hand <laughs> in there you know oh jeez Last one for, for this podcast. What if you and I never hooked Brendan <laughs> in the last match of the Club Tennis National Team tryouts back in my freshman year? Then this podcast doesn't exist. It actually doesn't exist. <laughs> for those of you don't know... There was a controversial call in Alex and I's <laughs> club tennis national team tryouts my freshman year. And
1: I'd just like to make a clarification in case any of our club tennis teammates listen to this. Max takes the heat from making the out call. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> I made the
0: out call and you just vociferously had my back. That is absolutely <laughs> the case. And I have actually, I think, been despised since <laughs> since that day. And you know what? I'll take it. That's fine. Look, we
1: went 39-4. and I I've made a, one of my best friends out of it. Machiavelli says, for the greater good, you know, ends justify the means. It and, it, and the ball
0: is out. <laughs> I'm sorry. The ball was out. I can't help it. It was out.
1: Well, uh. I've repented on Yom Kippur once or twice for that call. Yeah, good. But, all right, we'll leave it there. Uh Max Rothman, it is such a pleasure to have you back in the booth. Um, Obviously, we'll try to do this as often as possible, um, but thank you for joining me as always.
0: Thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to to doing some more chatting with you.
1: (laughs) Of course. Thank you to Max Fliegner, who, as always, has one heck of a job to do production-wise. Thank you to Cracked Rackets. And again, we want to ask all of you listeners, please go listen to the Cracked Rackets interview podcast. Again, that's our own Dalton Thienemann. I think this week he has Deaton Bauman as well as John McNally. So look forward to that. Go to CrackedRackets.com. You'll see the Belt series where I'm listing the best American players of the Open Era. Go check out our Next Gen 10 for 10 series. Go check out the Tennis Tribune. Maybe Rothman even writes an article one of these days. Oof, don't get too excited. (laughs) But again, for Alex Gruskin, for Max Rothman, for Max Fligner,
0: and we say to you, hey, that's a great shot. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.
1: Shot Production.